Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the CX Goalkeeper Podcast. Your host, Greg, will have smart discussions with friends, experts, and thought leaders on customer experience, transformation, and leadership. Please follow this podcast on your preferred platform. I am sure you will enjoy the next episode with the guest I selected for you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the next episode of the CX Goalkeeper Podcast. Today, I'm really thrilled because I have Paul Banks together with me. Hi, Paul. How are you? Hi, Greg. I'm good, thanks. I'm good. Thanks for having me along. Thank you very much. Super thrilled because we are going to discuss about AI, automation, human beings, and how to bring all them together. But before start and kick off in this discussion, we would like to learn more about you. And therefore, Paul, could you please introduce yourself? Uh, hello, I'm, I'm Paul. So I'm the founder and managing director at Javelin Content Management. I'm also a co-founder at Market and Help Desk and a bunch of other things that happen behind the scenes that I don't really talk to people about, to be honest. But first and foremost, I'm a father of two. That is my day job. That is my full-time role and, and everything else kind of fits in nicely around the edges. So I've got a six-year-old son who took to his first football game on Saturday and we won, which was lovely. And I have an 11-week-old baby who sat and watched the second half of Home Alone with me because we started our Christmas film a little bit early. And he sat and watched Home Alone for 45 minutes yesterday afternoon, which I was very impressed with. So I had, uh, the, it was very nice, you know, it's kind of setting up towards Christmas. I've got my whole family sat on the couch and nobody crying, nobody falling out with each other. It was very nice. And my background, I guess, Greg, I... For the longest time, I spent 15 years of my career in, in retail, having just passed about a year and a half in contact center world as, a, as an advisor in the energy sector. So I left that because I met my wife and we realized we couldn't work together. That, that's a really bad idea. So we, I left <laughs> and I joined retail. I fulfilled lots and lots of different retail positions from one end of the sector to the other. So everything from running stores to national strategy and everything in between. I served 10 years as a volunteer police officer during that time. So again, very much about customer focus, but I just, you know, while I was doing all that, Greg, I really couldn't put a finger on why I was doing anything that I was doing. I just knew that it felt right. And I knew that if I put my mind to what I was doing, I could do it. And After 15 years in retail, I finally left and joined an AI startup based in Manchester here in England, who was selling conversation analytics into contact centers. So a little bit of worlds that I already knew. I studied as a software engineer many moons ago, didn't do anything with it really. And what I realized at the end of all of that was that I enjoyed helping people make better decisions. And that's the underlying why behind everything that I've ever done behind every role I, whether it's in their personal life, their work life, whether it's may, helping them make the right decision in terms of what they're purchasing even. And all that's kind of now backed up by 15 years of understanding how people think, because relationships for me are super important. They're, they're the most important thing of all. People think that people buy products and services, and there's a little bit of that, but actually the vast majority of it is that people buy people. And if you can get under the skin of why people make the decisions they make and understand them from a behavioral science and, and neuroscience perspective, then you really do get some very different results that you wouldn't expect. 
that can set you apart in the marketplace. So that's that's kind of where I went to three years ago. And then spinning off from that, I found that the fastest way for me to build relationships with the people I wanted to reach was through video content and micro form video content. I've, over the last year and a half, two years, I've built a really efficient workflow and set of tools combined with my own experience to help me do that for other businesses. And that's why I left and set out on my own in February. So it's been a it's been a wild three or four years since since leaving retail. And I never thought I'd be sat here four years later saying that I'm running my own agency. But that's exactly what I'm doing. But you know, more than the technology that we utilize to do things, more than the ideas behind it all, it's that focus on the human relationships. And that's now what I'm homing in on more than anything else. So yeah. That's that's kind of where I come to, and I guess that's is quite obvious for the audience now to see why I enjoy customer experience and customer sa- customer service so much, is because it just hits home so much for me, and I I've always loved, you know, I've never really left the contact center world. I guess it feels like it's in your blood, and therefore the, I'm keen to, to ask this question next to contact service and human uh, the human touch. Which values drive you in life? Which sorry, say that again. Values. Which values? I think for me is transparency is probably one of the most important things that I hold dear. The idea that I am who I am and I'm not what I'm not. There's too many people out there that will try and be, for want of a better phrase, a square peg in a round hole just to make some money. And I see the temptation, you know, running my own business as a, as a small business owner, I, I see that temptation and I acknowledge it. It's not easy, especially in the current economics, you know, situation globally. It's not easy to be transparent. But I, you know, whether I was a leader in retail, whether I was working in the police, now as a business owner, the one thing that sets me apart from a lot of my competition is that I will freely tell my customers what I don't do as well as what I do. And it helps make sure that, that that kind of, the people that I do speak to match up with my personality. We, when we attract likes, we attract people who are similar to us. And I think the other thing is to just be in service of others. That's really important to me. I do a lot of networking. I speak to a lot of people from a lot of different industries. And if you go about that process with, your own selfish needs in mind, then you will only ever serve your own selfish needs and that will come back to bite you. If you go with the sole purpose of helping other people as much as you physically can with the time that you've got to do it in, and I appreciate time's finite, we've all got a limited amount of it. It's the most precious thing we can give to other people. But if you can be kind and service other people in as much as you can, then that 100% comes back to help your business and your personal life flourish one way or another. So yeah, transparency and service of others, I think are the, you know, very key to, to how I work. Thank you very much, Paul. And now keen to kick off this, this discussion about artificial intelligence and how to integrate that with human tasks and how to apply that in different fields. Let's, let's kick off. What's your view on the balance between AI capabilities and maintaining a human-centric approach in workplaces? For me, I think the... But first of all, AI gets banded around a lot. 
AI seems to be applied to absolutely everything that I see currently. And, you know, when I first joined the modular analytics company four years ago, I spent six months getting wrong of George Hartson, our, our chief data scientist, for calling things AI when they weren't. So let's be crystal clear. There is AI out there. There is 100% there is AI out there. But there is also just very clever machine-based learning, machine-based rule systems, and all these other things that w- people will badge up as AI just to make sure that they're in the same category as as those very highly valued companies that probably not all of them are going to survive the next couple of years. I think the big conversation I always saw real value in in terms of you know the customer experience was businesses wanting to offload their human inputs, their human interactions to AI to automate things to keep costs low. And I think if you the, the, how you come at that is as important as, as the actions. So what's your reason for wanting to reduce that to an automation? And if it's cost fine, just be aware of why you're doing those things. And like understand what the value is in that in every transaction that you're looking to automate. So if you're looking to automate something that's highly valuable to your business, you're probably not going to do that. You'll choose not to do that. Well, guess what? The customer feels the same way on the other side, Greg. If if it's important to the customer, they don't want it to be automated, regardless of whether it's a cost saving measure to you or not. And that's the important thing is to understand that matrix of is it valuable to us as a business? Is it valuable to the customer? And if it's no to both of those, then okay, go for the automation, but understand the downstream impacts of that automation. Because what I see a lot of is, you know, businesses will automate things like very simple customer service queries. Well, those customer service queries are likely to be your queries where the customer is the most satisfied coming back off the call. Their their sentiment's most positive it's going to be because it's a very quick, simple I'm moving house. Brilliant. Okay. I'm going to help you move house. Brilliant. Is there anything else to do? No, that's it. Thanks. They're pretty happy coming off that call. If you automate that, you're also leaving on the table the ability to cross-sell and upsell. And I'm sorry, but unless things change drastically, AI and automation does not have that capability to interact with a customer and cross-sell or upsell in a way that a human will, a good human experience advisor. So for me, it's about understanding the trade-offs. When you are going to automate something, I'm not against it in the slightest. There's some things I'm much rather, you know, if I can get a refund for a product that doesn't work, as long as I'm not steaming about how how it doesn't work, then yeah, I'll, I'll do that automated. But if something's gone seriously wrong and somebody's been injured by that product, then I want to speak to a person. I want to speak to them now. And that handoff has to happen straight away. So Come at it from a customer perspective always, but always understand the reasons that underlie that. And I don't think, you know, I don't think customer experience and and customer centricity and AI slash automation are two separate things. I think they can happen together as long as we've thought about things and we haven't just thrown technology in for the sake of throwing it in. I I think this is really interesting. And you mentioned earlier that you are creating micro content, micro videos. Perhaps is there an example where you can share with the audience and you say, this is the right way to apply automation or artificial artificial intelligence because it doesn't bring value to me and it's it's doing better than me. Uh, it's about understanding what 
the automation or AI is good at doing and stop trying to apply it to everything just to save, just to maximize your cost saving. So I could very easily, also, you know, what, what I do for a lot of my clients is I'll take a long form video content and we'll produce 20 or 30 small clips from that. Now I can very easily run that through a platform that'll, that'll create those clips for me through AI very easily. And what I see out the back end of those platforms is comes out in the wrong format. The graphics don't look quite right. They're a bit stretched or there's, there's unutilized space there. The start point and end points of those clips don't quite align with where you'd like them to because it doesn't quite understand the context. And I've no doubt that those platforms will get better and better over time. Like this is a this is a moving ballpark. It's never going to be the same. You need to be aware of that as it evolves. But for me, if I sent that back to my client as is, yep, I make a great margin on that. Guess what the customer thinks of it when they get it back? Yeah, we're not coming back to you, Paul, because that was rubbish. I could have just done that myself for $20 a month. What I'm providing is that human experience over the top to go, actually, that that start point of that chapter needs to be at this paragraph up here because that's where the that's where the context for it comes from. And here's where the question gets asked. And then at the end, you know, well, we've missed the punchline at the end, so I'm going to move that bit up here. So in everything that we do, it's important to understand what, AI and automation is good at doing, how it helps us, but to understand where it's important to have that human value over the top to go, that I'm going to take this output and I'm going to do something with it based on my knowledge and experience. And for me, you know, there's a lot of people out there right now who are worried about losing their jobs to AI and, and automation. And like my response is, if you only ever do bog standard minimum of what you're expected to do and you never go the extra mile and you don't apply what makes you human to your role, then yeah, you're going to get made redundant. It's going to happen because somebody will just come along and go, why would we have this guy or girl doing this role when AI can do that just as well? If you're able to take what's bog standard and what's, what's expected of your role and then just go that extra mile and add sentiment or experience or empathy or emotion into what you're doing and just go outside the box and think, you know, regardless of the procedure, here's how I want to approach this thing. And it's the right thing to do for this customer. Well, then you're never going to be made redundant. And if, and if your company does make you redundant, there are other companies out there that will absolutely take you on because companies that value humans were going to be so much more sought after in the coming years because there's going to be two sorts of companies. There's going to be those that just plow on with AI and automation and everybody just loses faith and they lose all their brand, all their culture is gone. And it's just a few bodies looking after the AI and, and automation. And then there's going to be other businesses that truly understand how to make humans and AI interact to give even better customer experience to their customers. That's where the power is going to be. You know, people like brands like Apple are already doing this really, really well. So, you know, that for me is the future is understanding how you prevent your own job from being lost. And I would also add in there, start upskilling yourself in how to interact with AI because it's coming, whether you like it or not, it's coming. And if you're not technically literate, you don't need to be technically literate anymore. Newsflash, it's very easy to use. You just got to get out of that mindset of, oh, it's technology. I don't want anything to do with it, which a lot of people sit with. It's not that anymore. 
Thank you, Paul. I think what you are saying, it's really interesting. I named them the three E's or the four E's. Where are human better? It's emotion, it's experiences, it's ethics. And, and these are the, are the most important topics. You are, we spoke about customer experience and now we are already speaking about employee experience. And I really enjoyed and followed what you said. You, I think there is still enough time for us, for employees to upskill. But from your point of view, what's the best way to upskill and, and ensure this growth path that our jobs will be not, won't be done by AI, but will be done with by humans? I think it's just being open-minded when the opportunities come along. A lot of people, to, to quote Stephen Bartlett's latest book, as a lot of people lean out to technology. They lean away from it because they're intimidated by it. They're scared of it. They're worried about what it's going to be. Everybody thinks of technology, and I'm going to show my age a little bit, Greg. Everybody thinks of technology as that old VHS player that needed the timer setting up on it. Those days were horrendous. They're behind us now a lot of the time. Not all the time. A lot of the time they're behind us. You know, a friend of mine came to me today and, and asked me how he could better use ChatGPT to support him with creating his podcast. And I told him to ask ChatGPT and he'd never thought of doing that. I was like, yeah, just, just go and ask it. It knows how it works best. You can talk to it like another human, mostly. Ask it. And if you don't get the response, then ask it in a different way and, and figure it out. And it's fun more than anything. Well, I think it's fun. Not everybody does. I, I wholeheartedly understand. Not everybody thinks it's fun. Me too. But I understand you. When, when those opportunities come along, grasp them instead of instead of going, it's not, it's not for me and avoiding it. The longer you avoid it, the more painful it's going to be when you have to figure it out. Get on board now while all of this wonderful technology is being invented and created and be part of the change instead of having to have it thrust upon you two, three years down the line, because that's what's going to happen. To an extent, everybody's job is going to be impacted by AI of some sort. You know, my wife has no idea what ChatGPT is. I use it every day. I can't understand how she doesn't understand what it is because she works in different circles and, and it hasn't impacted on her yet. I'd argue that because she works in, in childcare, she probably doesn't need to understand AI, in fairness. So she can get away with that. But anybody who's in a customer service environment or a customer experience environment, operations and procedures, get on board with it now and understand how to make it work for you. You know, if you're in a, if you want to transition to a new industry, create a mentor from AI. And it's very easy to do. You know, just ask it to be a mentor for you in, in a specific industry and, and absorb its knowledge. Ask it the questions that you wouldn't want to ask somebody. You know, if you, if you didn't want to show yourself up as not being an expert in that area, you know, chat GPT, pretend that you are a world-class expert at, at operations procedures and, and you're a Lean Six Sigma qualified and, 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 you know, you, you're, you're, a, you're a scrum master or however you want to, however you want to phrase it. But then ask it the stupid questions that you don't want to ask a human. What does this mean? What does that mean? I've heard somebody say this. I'm not sure what that means. I did this with mining about a year ago. And honestly, Greg, my knowledge of the mining industry is amazing now because I've been able to ask all the stupid questions that I didn't have anybody who I could ask just, just beside me. And I can ask those questions and understand it a lot better. I'm not going to say I'm an expert, but I'm 
you know, rapidly increasing my knowledge of it. So yeah, that's what I would recommend is just lean into it. When somebody comes to you with an opportunity for you to learn something about the AI that's coming, lean into it, be part of the change and figure out how you can position yourself as being part of it. Thank you, Paul. And let's go back to the example that you shared that perhaps your wife does not yet understand ChatGPT. The question is, who does understand better you, your wife or ChatGPT? No, joke aside, you don't need to answer that. <laughs> don't worry, you don't need to answer <laughs> that. It's always my wife, Greg. It's okay. always my wife. It's recorded. That's perfect. That's the right question. Uh, right question and right answer. No, sorry <laughs> for sorry for the joke. Thinking about also the risk, because as you said, I am also asking quite a lot of questions, stupid questions to ChatGPT, because perhaps I don't want to ask, or or I am the team team leader in the office and I don't need to ask stupid questions and so on. Which risk do you see with with all this AI that is available for everybody and can be used? Or do you see any risk? And which one? I think I think there's a couple of risks. And I'm an 80s child, right? So Terminator is always in the back of my mind. You know, the latest iteration of ChatGPT allows you to use ChatGPT to create new versions of ChatGPT tailored to what you want. Still requires you in the middle of it. But the thought of an AI system creating a new AI system It makes me a little bit anxious and it probably does other people as well, right? And I've used it today. It's phenomenal. It's really interesting. But part of me thinks, ooh, what happens in three years' time when chat B GPT sevens out or, or whatever? I don't know. Like what what could possibly be more powerful than this without being scary? So yeah, I do think, you know, it needs to be controlled and regulated and thought about and implemented well. I think the biggest danger though rather than worrying about all those things, the biggest danger is people being lazy because people are inherently lazy. That's our problem. As a human race, we will always take the path of least resistance and AI allows us to be very, very, very lazy. Unfortunately, it's still very, very, very obvious that we're being lazy if you use any of the any of those sorts of tools. So I caught someone the other day. It posted on LinkedIn. I think I might have shared it with you, Greg. He posted on LinkedIn his exact response from ChatGPT that he'd asked the question, he'd asked it to output an article. It produced an article that was so-so, but I guess he's in one of those academic fields where it's the sort of tone and language that you might expect someone in that field to write on LinkedIn. And right at the very bottom was something along the lines of, and this is my output for you. Thanks for the changes and recommendations. I hope it works. And he hadn't even read his own article. He just literally copied and pasted it straight on LinkedIn. Now, if that's the sort of attitude you're going to take with AI and ChatGPT, then yeah, that's going to cause us problems because all of a sudden we're going to be in a world of diminishing human value. And again, it goes back to what I was saying about make sure you understand what your impact on AI is. Now, starting an article with ChatGPT is fine. You want to write a post on LinkedIn, you brainstorm with it, idea on it. Here's who I want to reach. Here's the, the sort of topics I'm interested in. Help me write something interesting. Get me some quotes. Get me some stats. Tell me where you got the stats and quotes from. Write the article. Brilliant. But then guess what? Proofread it. Make it sound like you. Or flip it on its head. Write it first and then hand it over to ChatGPT and go, make this sound really good because it's rubbish at the moment. 
but again, it's just making sure that like, don't try and remove that human layer because all you're doing is removing yourself. You're making yourself redundant. Don't do that. I fully agree with you. And in particular, you are a native speaker and therefore for you, English is not so difficult and writing in LinkedIn. For me, my mother tongue is Italian. Everybody can hear my accent. But what I'm doing is I am discussing with ChatGPT also in Italian. I formulate my phrases in, in Italian and ChatGPT helps me to write it like a native speaker. And this is really value added because now I can, let's say, compete with a a native speaker in, in writing in English, and it's not full of uh, grammar mistakes and perhaps words that you never heard. And you think, oh, the guy is really strange. He used one yeah. word that he learned in the school and it's from a few hundred years ago. Translation. Because that's where we've been. When you use Google Translate or similar, it, it literally translates word for word. There's no context in that. Exactly. And you're right, chat GPT taking that and going, yeah, that's not quite what this guy meant to write. I can see from his post, from his paragraph above, he meant to write this because I understand Italian vocabulary and grammar and, and all the rest. And it is, it's fascinating when it, when it does those sorts of things. You see, like it's real, even now I've been using it for a long time. And even now I'll just see some of its outputs and I'm really impressed. Like that is fascinating. I didn't realize it could do that. <laughs> No, and what you're saying, it's extremely interesting because I was following a discussion also the really big podcaster, really big YouTube influencer. Now they are using AI to translate what they are saying to other languages like Gary Wenerchuk, like Mr. Beast. They are now going to Spanish because there is a lot of people that could listen to, to their podcast, listen, watch their, their videos. And I think this, this will, will be game changer in future. Yeah, and, and even text-to-speech as well. So text-to-speech is coming along in leaps and bounds now. And, you know, I, I remember Dr. Spitzel on, on the old on the old PCs, and it was very, very mechanical. You had to tell it exactly what to say, and it would say it in this robotic voice. And I used to spend my entire time trying to get it to say swear words and things. I was, you know, I was 13. That's what, that's what kids do. But, you know, when I see the difference now, and it's still not quite right, you know, I see the, the virtual avatars and, and the lip sync slightly out, the eye contact's not there. There's not there's not the right amount of emotion. You don't get hand gestures and things like that. But I can see where it's going. And if you don't plan for that coming in force at some point, you're going to miss a big opportunity if you underestimate where that technology's going. Because if people, the, the, the builders of these technologies can see the same things we can. And they know that they can just keep throwing money at us and keep it researching it and keep building it out and it will eventually get there be part of the journey as opposed to having it thrust upon you again it goes back to what we said before thank you paul we are coming to an end of this game but for the extra time the last three minutes i have three questions for you in 10 years from now we are back on the cx goalkeeper podcast what we're discussing about people being lazy because <laughs> it's the one thing that never changes <laughs> we'll always find the path of least resistance. So I've no doubt in, in 10 years time, we'll be sat here discussing the same challenges and the same problems, just fast forwarded 10 years. You know, I can't even begin to imagine what technology we'll have at that point, but we'll be discussing the people that have made a success out of not being lazy and finding out to use AI and technology to augment themselves. And the people that have fallen along the wayside and don't know what to do because they haven't and they've, they've lost out. Thank you, Paul. What's the best way to contact you? I'll be honest. I'm I'm always active on LinkedIn, so you'll you'll find my LinkedIn profile along with the show notes. 
But if you want to drop me an email, it's paul at javelincontent.com. Aside from that, I'm on TikTok, I'm on Instagram, I'm on Twitter, I'm on YouTube. <laughs> you can go to javelincontent.com for the website. Um, we are everywhere and it is only pretty much just me. So, <laughs> Thank you, Paul. And uh, for the audience, you will find all this information also in the show notes. We are coming to the last question. Is Paul's golden nugget It's something we discussed or something new to leave to the audience? I think if I was to leave anything for the audience, it's been in the two by two club and it, and it really does relate to what we've talked about today. And the two by two club is this 90 and, and I'm making these figures up by the way, but it serves the purpose. So bear with me. These are not researched stats. It's my own 98% of people won't ever reach out and ask for help about something that they're stuck with or development wise that they're stuck with 2% of people will. But when I speak to those 2% who ask for help and they want support, again, 98% of those won't do anything with the information that they get. So they'll reach out and ask for advice. You'll tell them what, what you know and how, how they can change what they're doing. And then they go away and go back to the status quo and do nothing with it. The 2% that do do something with that information, they stand on the shoulders of giants. So the two by two club is about understanding who around you might be able to fast forward what you're about to do, help you prevent from prevent you from making some mistakes and you can stand on their mistakes and learn to, to be successful. But you've got to, first of all, ask for help of the right people and then do something with the advice that you get. Don't just kind of take it on board and do nothing with it. So my advice to everyone who's listening today is be part of that two by two club because that is where real change happens. Thank you very much, Paul. We are at the end. Please stay with me to the audience. It was everything for today. I hope that you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Reach out to Paul, reach out to me. We love feedback. If you need anything, we are here and let's change together. Thank you and bye-bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please share the word of mouth. Subscribe it, share it. Until the next episode, please don't forget, we are not in a B2B or B2C business we are in a human-to-human -human environment. Thank you.